the Draft Champions podcast. I'm here with Ryan Devish, right from the Seattle Times, and uh, I see you like Crown Royal. Is that a Canadian? Is that a Crown Royal Canadian? Yeah, it's a blended whiskey out of Canada. Yeah, it's um, my. I grew up in Montana, about 20 miles from the Canadian border, so cool. a lot of Canadian whiskey around there. Cool. I'm from Toronto. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. I'm Canadian. You're talking to someone from Canada here. Um, so I appreciate you and I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate you giving me some time this evening. And I also appreciate you responding to my DMs. I had some questions. I, I'm, I'm heavily invested um, into Dylan Moore this year. So I was bugging you about him. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, obviously this is a fantasy focused podcast, but we're going to talk about the Mariners just in general. Um, so I guess I'll start off by asking you like, what's, what's new? Have you, have you, um, is there any news that you can break for me? Uh, not really. I mean, um, you know, the, they're going to announce the James Paxton signing officially tomorrow. I was actually on, he was on, he and I were on the same flight down here to Phoenix. Uh, uh, him and Blake Snell were both on the same flight. So that was interesting. A couple of left-handers sitting there having a conversation in the airport and nobody knew who the hell they were. Yeah. Because um, they were masks, I guess, right? Yeah. Masks, you know, and, and, and I mean, I didn't even recognize Blake. He said hi to me and I didn't even recognize him. So um yeah, and then you know the Giles stuff will be official, um, and really that's about it. I mean they're they're starting they start they start their first workout for pitchers and catchers tomorrow. But I mean like I anticipate maybe the Mariners picking up one or two guys, but I think they'll be only on minor league signs. I don't think that they'll be on. Um, I don't think you know the odds of them going out and getting somebody like Taiwan Walker. I just don't think are going to happen. Right. Well, hopefully, hopefully the Jays grab Taiwan Walker if you guys aren't going to. But the yeah. Mariners, like offensively, you're pretty you're pretty crowded when you think about it. When when you consider all the all the players that need to come up this year or should come up this year, so it's really hard to to add up, add any pieces offensively. I think you're, you guys are pretty set. Yeah, I mean they they, they really um, they want. I mean, basically, they're set in almost every position other than maybe left field, and that's basically a holding spot until Jerry Kelnick gets called up. Um, and similar, you know, second base is a competition, but I, I don't know that it's much of one. I think Dylan Moore will be the starter just because they want him to be the starter. And a lot of times that really kind of matters. So, yeah. um, you know, they say it's an open competition, but I don't really think it is. I don't think so either. I'm hoping not because he's a guy, like I said, I like, I, I really like for this year. Um, and, uh, I watched like basically all of his tape from last year because you can't, it's, it's easy to go through everyone's tape because there was just a, such a short season and he mm-hmm. looked like he was driving the ball real hard, like opposite field, like his home runs weren't cheapies. And just, I listened to, I listened to the, the team talk and I, like, I, I remember an interview with Kyle Seeger and he said, man, like Dylan Moore is like the best athlete, best player on our team. He's our best hitter. Yeah. He, he really, um, he did some swing changes, uh, just kind of, you know, he just, made more consistent hard contact. You know, he was a, if you look at his, his 2019 numbers, there were a lot of swing and miss, but it was also his first full year at the big league level. And I, th- I think there was a period of adjustment, but yeah, he, he came, he went into last off season and, and worked hard on trying to change his um, bat path and some other things. And what resulted was, was real power and power to all fields. You know, some of his homers are right center and mm. uh, right field. And if you look at the, the stat cast data um, and the barrel percentage and all those kinds of metrics. He was, he was probably the best on the Mariners in terms of all of that. Yeah, he was good. Again, I think people are, the concern is that it is, that it, that it is a small sample size right now for what he, what he, how he performed, but um, there's that. And there's, there's his performance against sliders, which 
um, I was looking and he was fed like a lot of sliders. I was thinking like, okay, well, worst case is like they start giving him more sliders, but like he was already getting a lot of them and he, he, like, then that was an issue for him. So that's, I think that's the, that's the most valid concern I can, I can think of. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that's what he'll see um, pretty significantly. And I think he's pretty aware of it. I think that he saw that once he really started just hammering fastballs early in the season, people just tried to get him out with sliders but the one thing I will say too is like his his uh, his pitch recognition and stuff had gotten better to the point where he was able to work a few counts so he could get in some more fastball counts and actually see fastballs and I think he did a lot of damage when he did that as well. Yeah, and not to belabor the point on more, but I was like, like I said, I was looking into him quite a bit, and the, the I was looking at his strikeouts, and a lot of his strikeouts were on sliders, and but he he was facing like it it, it is like a very homogeneous like. Um, set of competition set of um, pitchers you're facing so i was looking like three of his strikeouts were off of denelson lament sliders which are just like devastating three of them were off dylan bundy sliders so like that's like six of his strikeouts which is like a pretty big like um sample size for this this, this short season so maybe once he sees a more like um i guess um mix more more of a mix of pitchers maybe maybe that um it's not it's not such a prevalent thing that he's uh, struggling against uh, that the breaking pitches. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, honestly, though, like, you know, even if he performs to scale, like I know it's 60 games, but I mean, it isn't impossible to sit there and think that he could, um, you know, be at least a 2020 guy. I mean, his stolen base per his stolen base percentage is, is pretty good. It wasn't, it isn't always outstanding, but I, he is, I think he's their best base runner on the team. Uh, I think he's he works really hard at stealing bases and you know that's something that the Mariners are going to do because they don't have a lot of power in their lineup so they they were super aggressive on the bases last year Mm -hmm. and I expect him to be aggressive on the bases this year he has the green light to go whenever he wants and he likes to run the bases so that's I mean you you couple in power and speed like that and I guess for fantasy guys that's that's kind of a nice little combo yeah for sure and um that's 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 the that's that's another thing i was thinking of when i'm investing in more like the, it's a team concept of the, of running and and that's an, and just to segue into clinic that's a reason why i'm a little bit into clinic too for his price even though he he's getting picked ahead of some people with jobs but when he gets brought up i i believe he's going to steal bases yeah i i do too i mean one thing with jared is, is he's gotten really really bulky um over the year the last year or so he's really kind of um he's focused on he's focused on on just getting bigger and driving the ball but you know it didn't really slow him down I mean he stole some he stole some bases um you know at the alternate training site and um kind of you know he looked pretty good doing that so I I think he wants to run I think early on in his career is when he's going to run more you know Mm -hmm. usually players don't run as much early so yeah if you're looking at a speed quotient for him that yeah probably now is the time like I see like regardless of like when he gets called up I see like at least 10 bags from him this year Mm -hmm. I would agree yeah um in terms of offense we talked about Dylan Moore um um so also I was listening to, I wasn't listening. I was, I know I was listening to something and it was also an article. I forget where it was, but um, Jesse Smith, he's a direct, he's a senior director of analytics over there in Seattle. And he said that like, he sees a good progression in JP Crawford and he's saying that he could become a master of hitting and like, he loves his approach. Do you see like any more, any room for improvement in Crawford? Because I saw yeah. Crawford as maybe somebody that like, if all, like if they wanted to move stuff, move people around, they can move Dylan Moore to shortstop and get rid of Crawford. But maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, yeah, that's, um, I think so. 
it's it's weird with JP. Like, you know, there's like three week stretches where you'll watch him. And you think, man, this guy really can hit and he can hit with a little bit of power, especially gap to gap. And then there are times where he just, he swings and misses at pitches or fouls off pitches that he should just hit. I mean, I think they're looking for consistency. I know he's, he has in the previous couple of years tried to figure out how to stay healthy and stay strong throughout the course of a long season. I mean, he's really focused on, on weight training and stuff this year to get stronger. But I think last year he was kind of in between on a lot of stuff. Cause he was messing around with his, with his, um, front leg like he didn't know whether he was going to do a leg kick or if he was going to do a toe tap or if he's going to just kind of stride forward and all this stuff and um i don't know that he found anything he kind of bounced back and forth and usually if you're bad from the bottom and the ground up with your swing it doesn't get much better as you move up so i think they're just hoping to to find uh, a happy medium for him and then um and go from there he plays some good defense i guess yeah, and I mean that's really his value right now, right? And um, and, and really that's you know I I don't know that he'll ever be, you know, in the upper echelon of shortstops like the Correas and stuff like that. But there's value in his defense, and you know if he can just get his on base percentage up to in the three sixties, three seventies, pretty consistently, the Mariners would love to have that. Cool. Um, moving on to the closer situation, um, you guys uh, brought in Montero from from Texas. Um, other guys that like I. It's hard to know. Um, it's hard to speculate on others, but like I remember at the beginning of last year, Joey Gerber was a name that I had my radar on for. That was a guy that could potentially close. Um, he didn't have the strikeout me- metrics uh, he did in the minors in his brief um, stint last year. But um, what are your thoughts on their closer situation? Yeah, I mean, I would go with Montero right now. Like if I went, if I looked at it in order of like um, who would do it, and they have three veterans at the back end of their bullpen right now that they've got. Um, Kenyon. They've got Montero and they have Keenan Middleton and then they have Kendall Graveman. And really, honestly, out of the three, Kendall Graveman has the best overall stuff. Like his, I talked to a couple of scouts last year that had watched him on video and then went and ran the metrics. And like when he came in as a reliever and he was throwing that power sinker, they compared it similar to Blake Trinan where it just, it's unhittable because it's coming at, it's a sinking fastball at 98 miles an hour. And sometimes Graveman doesn't even know where it's going to go. And then you throw, he has the little cutter and he has some stuff. He has a little bit more of a mix that he can throw at guys, you know, because he's a former starter when things aren't going right with one pitch, he's not, you know, he's not hosed. If maybe that's that, that sinking fastball isn't there right away, he can go to other stuff to get out. And I think they love his makeup. It's just a matter of how he handles being a reliever for the first time in his career um, and all, how that reacts with the neck injury that he has. I mean, Middleton was going to be a closer for a long time until Mike Sosa just ran him into the ground and it led to all the arm issues. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's got the stuff. I mean, he was, you know, his his uh, his velocity last year was 99.1 or something, highest it's ever been. He just admitted he used it wrong. Like, he got caught up in it and just tried to throw it by everybody instead of just – being the pitcher who he used to be. And so, you know, all those guys are, are pretty good. I mean, the one thing about Montero is he doesn't miss as many bats as you would think he should given his mm-hmm. stuff, but you know, he's also still adjusting to the relief role. So, I mean, any of those three could be a closer and I don't know that Montero is established enough to sit there and say, he's going to be the closer all year. I mean, I think if, if he hits a rough spot or, you know, if he doesn't perform well in spring training, they could go with Middleton or, you know, I, I mean, of the three, Graveman probably won't get the first shot, but eventually he could be because he's got 
like I said, like I talked to several scouts who just raved about his stuff last year. Yeah, I think people like in in our circle of fantasy are are, are valuing um, Montero pretty high because he he was sort of the de facto closer in Texas. They went through a lot of changes, and he was sort of just thrust into that role. And then he got traded. He, he got traded from being a closer to another team, and they just assumed that he was the closer because Seattle didn't really have a clear cut closer coming into the year. So I think I, I feel like I might like we might be getting we might be getting ahead of ourselves just saying that Montero is just this like he got the job on lock. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I don't think the Mariners believe in that whole scenario, anyways. I mean, like, though he has the best opportunity going into camp, but they're not married to the fact that he has to be the closer. I mean, they traded for him as long as they signed him, so they didn't have to promise him anything, anyways. Right, that, that makes sense. Now, in terms of their starting rotation, it's pretty. I think Seattle's been the most clear out of any team that they're going to go with the six-man rotation, from what from what I've heard. Um, and um, what are your expectations, first of all, from Paxton? And um, and who do you think is going to win that sixth spot between um, Marjavicious, Dunn, and Logan Allen? Or not, not, why am I saying Logan Allen? Logan Gilbert. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's Margavicious. It's the most miserable name to have to type. Oh, I knew I was there. saying it wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, as long as I, I called it, right. I called him Margavicious all the time, and I got corrected. But that's um, what I did too. Uh, with Pax, I mean, like. You know, when he was after the 2018 season, I think, you know, I wrote that like over the between 17 and 18, he was as good as anybody in baseball, particularly lefties. You know, I think he had a three, five ERA, but the one year 2017, he was dominant and he was still pretty good in 2018 and, you know, had a little bit of a couple of injuries though. But, you know, sit here and think he have to settle for a one year free agent deal is pretty, um, pretty crazy. Uh, and, and he, I talked to him briefly before I got on the plane and he just kind of said, well, you know, that's kind of the reasons why he went to Seattle is it's, it's a prove it contract, you know, just, he wants to go out and show that he still has value and that maybe he can get a decent, you know, he's never going to get a five-year deal, but at age, you know, 32, he can still pick up a couple decent checks. And, and I think he just wants to establish himself as a, as a good pitcher and why not go back to Seattle where he had the most success in his career, where he feels comfortable, where he lives. He lives in Bellevue outside of Seattle in the off season. So, I mean, like all those things kind of factored into it. And the Mariners who were working with a limited payroll budget, you know, got some approval to, to get somebody like that and do the reunion. And it fits them well, because it is a bridge guy until, well, maybe Logan Gilbert is ready. So, you know, I, I, in talking to him that he said the back injury messed him up pretty badly. Um, over the last year, he had a, he had to have a microdiscectomy and there was a cyst removed from a disc there. And it just, he just felt like when he came back, his legs weren't very strong and his mechanics got messed up. And that's what led to the arm issue uh, in terms of, you know, he just was putting too much pressure on the arm because he was trying to generate the velocity and he couldn't do it with his legs. So he used his arm, which is just a bad combination. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I don't know. He says he's healthy. He says his legs are back to normal. Said he kind of refound his mechanics. So we'll if see. he's healthy, he's pretty productive, and he can help. So you know, he'll help the Mariners. Um, and the, you know, you look at they have a pretty good run prevention team. So I, I think he could be pretty valuable. I mean, to the point where if he pitches well early, I don't think he's on the Mariners at the end of the season. I think he'll get traded. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned that he's. You described him as a bridge to. Logan yeah. Gilbert. Now there could be multiple bridges. Like it could not only be him. It could, it could be um, the guy who I can't pronounce his name or it could be Mark uh, Davichis, yeah. yeah, or Flexen or any of those guys. Like they, those all, those, 
those guys, all, all those guys have bridge appeal to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like the Mariners are in a weird spot with the rotation. I mean, they're going to go six man and, you know, Marco Gonzalez doesn't like it. He'll lead it. Um, but you look at like Yusei Kikuchi, he's got kind of this weird contract where they have to make a decision this year, whether they want to extend him for three more years or just, you know, do the one and then he can even opt out of that. I don't think he will unless he performs really well. Um, but, you know, and, and he could be gone after next year. Um, you know, Flexen's on a two-year deal. You don't really know what you're going to get with him. He pitched in Korea last year. Uh, Justin Sheffield was pretty good, 10 games. But, again, it's only 10 games. And same, similar to Justin Dunning, he was a little up and down. So you don't really know what you're going to get. You know, you, they have all these pitching prospects coming up the pipeline. But other than Logan Gilbert, the rest of them aren't ready. I mean, George Kirby didn't throw a pitch in a in anything other than like two innings of a uh, of a inner squad game last year because he couldn't throw during the shutdown because of where he was living in in New York, and so he was kind of set behind Emerson Hancock. Didn't really pitch much, you know. He's there. Those guys are two and three years away from contributing at the MOB level. So really, all you have is like maybe Logan Gilbert, and there's a kid named Brandon Williamson who's a couple years away. So they they still need guys. And they need to kind of have those guys for the next year or two, because I mean, like a lot of pitchers like Gilbert and stuff, they're not going to just come up and dominate. It's going to take some time. And, and I think he'll debut this year. Um, but the lack of a minor league season last year and everything else, they're going to wait till probably mid June before they even consider bringing him up. Who do you think's uh, first between Kalanick and Gilbert? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, the Mariners will be smart to play the service time game with um, Kelnick, but I don't, you know, and so that means at least after May 17th or May 20th, um, I can't remember what the day is. So I, I think June 1st would be the earliest. I mean, part of it is, is like Kellenick was great last year. And I think part of like the frustration for fans and for his, his agency was that the Mariners were playing all these, um, all these like kind of backup infielders in the outfield and stuff. And he was clearly better than them. But I mean, again, the, the service time cost was just too huge. And so they already made that decision not to bring him up last year. I just don't know why they'd burn a year of service time by bringing him up early in the season. So they should wait till June 1st. And he's only, he's had 71 plate appearances above double a, I yeah. mean, double at the double a level. I mean, like he's going to go to Tacoma this year and see a bunch of older guys that throw breaking stuff and throw off speed stuff and, and fastball counts. And we'll see how he does. I mean, I wouldn't bet against them because he's super competitive. He's got a great swing and he's just got that type of uh, screw you attitude. Like if you mess with me, I'm just going to do this and, you know, prove people wrong. But again, I just don't think you'll see him before June 1st. Gilbert probably. So you'd still probably see Kelnick before Gilbert, but again, yeah, an or something could change too. it. Yeah. I think Gilbert probably by mid June end of June, they want to build him up a little bit. I'm not familiar with the Super 2 rules. Um, I thought it was more like they could have brought him up at the like three weeks in uh, to April, like sort of what the, uh, they did with Vladdy in Toronto. Oh, yeah, they could do that. I don't think they're really worried about the Super 2, but you, um, they're more worried about the – if they wait a certain time, they get an extra year until he's free agent. And so that right. was the big thing. Yeah, so there, I guess there's two, like, two cutoffs? Yeah, there's two cutoffs. I don't know the exact date on them. But yeah, the, the one they're really concerned about is they want that extra year free extra year before he comes a free agent because they want him at age 28 and 2027, 20, you know, when yeah. he's at his peak. So I think for, for fantasy, I think that that's a huge consideration. So I think that's a, that's the difference between making money and losing money on like drafting him, whether or not he's going to be up in like that third week of April or June 1st. And June 1st, he might be 
you might lose too much of the season. But I mean, um, it's, it, it'll be totally, it can be totally indicative too of how he, uh, uh, you know, performs in the Cactus League stuff. Cause then he, again, he's going against advanced guys there. So that can, can offer idea. Maybe, you know, he needs a little bit more seasoning at the AAA level than just being ready to go when that deadline's up. All right. Now the mirrors are the only like I, I read about their biomechanic biometric cameras they're putting in in T-Mobile. Are they the only team doing that? Because um, I think they're looking at their pictures and they're trying to see like whether or not like certain like um, checkpoints in their body, elbow, knee, or whatever how 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 that relates to like their performance. Um, in addition to like actual like the metrics like velocity and heartbeat and contact and contact rate. Um, I, I, this is the first I've heard of it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I would assume, you know, the Mariners copy a lot of stuff from the Rays. So it yeah. might be the Rays or the Rays are the first the guys Dodgers. I heard too. Yeah. So, I mean, that th those guys could be a possibility. They, they've been, you know, Jerry DePoto has been always kind of obsessed with biomechanics and biometrics and all that stuff. I mean, they had all these trackers and biometric sleep monitors and stuff. Like he wanted one for himself as well to try it out. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't put anything that kind of past them in terms of trying something new and something different. Right. So you mentioned briefly Kikuchi. Do you think he's like reinvented himself? Um, because he's, he's, his underlying metrics were quite di uh, different this year in the short year. Yeah. I mean, like he went to um, driveline last off season and redid his whole mechanics, kind of shortened his arm path, you know, got on time. His mechanics were a mess his first season and he would listen to anybody that would give him advice and try and make all these changes. So he, he went to driveline and worked with the Mariners and driveline to find like a set of um, a set of mechanics that work for him and that result and it resulted in, and I mean like increased velocity by three to four ticks on everything. Like his, his slider was, he was throwing his slider. And I mean, it's kind of a cutter. He was throwing it, you know, 91 miles an hour with movement. The problem was, is he just so inefficient and, like he couldn't harness it and he would be behind in counts and ton of foul balls. I mean, like you look, you know, he just, he, I think he averaged maybe five innings a start if he was lucky. And, you know, he would just always have one inning where there's 30 pitches in an inning and just kill his pitch count. And, you know, until he kind of figures out how to be efficient and, and that kind of stuff and, and pitch, um, you know, just, I mean, I'm not saying he's got to pitch to contact like Jamie Moyer, but, you know, he just can't go full count on everybody with a bunch of foul balls. It just, it just doesn't work. So they're hoping he figures it out, but who knows? I mean, like, I don't think they truly know what to expect. I mean, they were all, they were really happy about the, the velocity increase and that he's stuck with one set of mechanics. But if they're, if they're going to sit there and say they know exactly what they're going to get from Yusei Kikuchi this year, they'd be lying. Right. Um, Let's shift over to their catchers because they got they got um, Tom Murphy and they have um, Luis Torrens as well. And, uh, and the same guy that I was telling you about that was talking about Crawford, he said about Torrens is that he's a diamond in the rough. So they love this guy. They said like he's got a he's got a pretty interesting story. He was an um, international free agent signing from um, in the Yankees and they gave him one point three million bucks, which isn't chump change. Then the rule five uh, pickup from San Diego. Then he was traded from San Diego and he wasn't like a throw in because San Diego was in win now mode. Um, so like, I think basically what happened is he had a poor 2018 because he was like thrown into a higher level because of the real five thing. And then um, 2020 happened. So they're, they're really high on this guy. Um, and then there's also Cal rally who's killing it, killing at the alternate site. So all that sort of making me shy away from Tom Murphy, but it's just like sort of like a three headed 
monster that I really don't know how to assess. Yeah, I mean, like, Murphy will still, I think, get about 65% of the starts. Um, Terenz is, they love Terenz as his bat and, like, just kind of some of the, um, his profile as a hitter and stuff. He, you know, has some gap-to-gap power and above-average hands in terms of, like, contact rate and all this other stuff. They like all that. You know, the de- the defense and the pitch calling or the, the pitch calling and all that stuff, the game preparation, that's lacking. Um, you know, again, part of it was, is like, like when he was a rule five guy, he barely played. And how much do you really learn when you just sit there the whole time, you know? So as a converted infielder, you know, there is some fundamental defensive issues that they're trying to clean up and polish. And I think that they're hoping, you know, that he can do that this year. Um, the thing with Murphy is though, is like that guy mashes left-handed pitching. And, you know, you look at the the 2019 season and it was, you know, he was really efficient at the play. You know, they use them mostly against lefties, but you know, his power numbers are real. He has a pretty good idea of the strike zone and they love his leadership qualities and stuff behind the plate. So, I mean, I, I mean, as a manager, I'm sure Scott service prefers to play Tom Murphy, you know, 75% of the time, but that may not be, you know, what, the front office wants uh, as far as Raleigh goes, I mean, he'll be up. I mean, if you look at his age profile, he's, he's older. He's got a weird body. So a lot of people are down on him. He just kind of got a dad body, you know, and he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's not the quickest guy to second on throws. And, you know, he, I mean, but I think like he's a coach's kid and they love his leadership. They like his game calling. He's really prepared. And then he's a switch hitter with power. So, I mean, ultimately, that's his job. I just don't know when. You know, catcher's a little slow to progress. I, Raleigh will debut at some point this year. You know, guy gets hurt or whatever, he's going to be up. But it's just, you know, will he take a hold of that job and make Murphy expend a little But, you know, the manager loves Tom Murphy and wants him to play a lot. So, we'll see kind of how it goes. Terenz, is, Terenz definitely has talent. But, you know, from the, the defense and the pitching aspect of it, you know, there is some um, – there's some – concerns there right rally I, I always pictured him as his path was maybe to be a dh <laughs> yeah i mean like I, he's not a terrible receiver like i think he catches I mean, five year, and I think, time this year would be to yeah DH instead of I, I, they're gonna try and use ty france there quite a bit is what i've been told but who knows i mean like so much can change every time you like plan out a roster and how things are gonna go and that's it just gets messed up. I mean, baseball sort of figures itself out, but they really do want to have um, they really do want to get Ty France at bats at the DH spot with and then, you know, maybe he fills in for Kyle Seeger next year when Seeger's gone. Right. Yeah. Ty France is just he's just crushed it at the, in the minors in triple A. And he did well last year. He hit for high average. I think he's a high OBP guy. I like I like Ty France a lot, too. I think the, the Seattle's a, a fun team and we haven't even talked about Kyle Lewis. I think he's sort of I think you you sort of know what to to hope for for with him, um, but um, speaking of like the roster, the last thing I wanted to ask you is, um, and this is what I'm asking all the beat writers when, when I'm talking to them. What um, what do you think the batting order is going to be? Because plate appearances for fantasy is it's, it's king. Plate appearances are king. So I want to get your thoughts on what the batting order is going going into the season, and also. Um, I'm asking on July 1st, but I want to ask you a specific date. So give me what the batting order is going to be April 1st and give me the batting order, what you think it's going to be when Jared Kalenic's in it, whenever that, whenever that is. Yeah. So, um, service, Scott service will probably bat JP Crawford in the leadoff spot. As, as far as I know, um, that's where he batted a lot last year. They like him there. 
Um, I don't know who would they go. They could go Dylan Moore at the two. He went. He hit two there quite a bit. And then they would go Seager, Lewis, uh, maybe Murphy or France in somewhere in that area. Five, six Murphy, France. Yeah, round round there. Yeah, and then like uh, my guess is Jake Fraley will be in the left starting left fielder. So him and Evan White will bat near the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else I'm missing. Who are we missing? Uh, third, second. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm more, yeah, no. So Evan White, I mean, Evan White will bat near the bottom. Oh, Hanniger. Hanniger. Well, Hanniger will bat. No, Hanniger will bat. So then they go, Hanniger will bat three, Seager four, Lewis five, probably. That's just if Mitch is healthy. That order, those three will be grouped together. Seager, um, Hanniger, they, again, they could put Hanniger at three, Seager at four, Lewis at five, or some order like that. Those three will bat together. Right. Um, they did, you know, that's, that, that's, I'm pretty confident in that, but he does like JP Crawford at the top of the order and Dylan Moore bat second, but they could bat Seager second to bump everybody down that way as well. Right. The Seager is like, is he like their only lefty in that little, well, JP Crawford, I think is a switch hitter. I know he yeah, bats no, JP's JP is just a straight lefty. Oh, he's just a lefty. Okay. Yeah. That's why they, they, they have Fraley cause they need another lefty. Um, you know, cause there's a lot, they're pretty right-handed heavy otherwise. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, a lot of us were talking about who's going to be that left hand, left handed, um, sorry, left field um, stopgap for Clinic. But I, I think I read something that you that you wrote, or somebody, either you or somebody wrote that Fraley is probably going to be that guy. Some people are saying Bishop or Marmaleos, or um, there's somebody else out there, or Han, um, Haggerty. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of um, just stopgaps there. Yeah, I mean, even Shed Long could ostensibly compete for it but i think they want to give fraley the first chance he as long as he doesn't screw it up in spring training he'll get the first chance and shed long or haggerty be off the bench and you know bishop will be back at triple a because he just doesn't hit enough and he's right-handed right cool well i appreciate uh, you taking the time um ryan uh don't want to let everyone know where they can find you i think it's just ryan devish on twitter just yep just go ahead follow me on twitter and uh yeah I appreciate you. I'm, I'm thankful you took, took the time and I've learned, uh, I learned some, some um, info about the Mariners that I'm going to apply. And um, yeah, again, again, they just, thanks for um, talking. Yeah. Good luck to your fantasy guys. I'm not going to lie to you. My Roto team was never very good until I got somebody else to help manage it with me. Cause <laughs> so it's all good. Um, all good. Well, thanks very much. All right. Take it easy. All right. Later, buddy. See you.